This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This morning, we're taking a break from our ongoing series in the book of Colossians because each year on the first Sunday of November, the church calls us to celebrate the Feast of All Saints. So I invite you to uh, grab a Bible and open up to Matthew chapter 5 as we'll be uh, looking at that reading a bit this morning. Now, for many of us, the Feast of All Saints is probably the least familiar. We get Christmas, we understand Easter and even Pentecost, but what is this feast day all about? Perhaps you even grew up in a tradition that leaves you a little uneasy about things like praying to the saints or mystical, mythical versions of stories about the saints of old. But that's not the reason that the church calls us to celebrate this day every year. As I've been reviewing what the scriptures have to say to us about the saints, and as I've been looking at this passage from Matthew chapter 5 that the church gives us to read every year on this day, I've become convinced that there is a central message for every follower of Jesus that's at the heart of this day. Now, if you're a Christian, if you've been following Jesus a long time, I don't think it's a message that's going to blow your mind. I think it's one you already know actually pretty well. But I also think that the church knows that you're probably a lot like me and that you need the reminder of this message and that you need it often. So this morning, in the brief time that we have together, I want to talk to you about four reminders that every Christian needs. First, let me say, if, that you're, if you're here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus, we are so glad that you're here. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would get just a glimpse of the beautiful life that Jesus calls all his followers to, and that perhaps you would even have a sense of him inviting you into that same life. Okay, so we're going to dive right in. Four reminders every Christian needs. You guys ready? Yeah, there we go. Okay, you're ready. Good. All right, here we go. Reminder number one, you are a saint. Does anyone need that reminder this morning? Maybe you only associate that word with people in the church's history whose deeds or teachings we remember. Perhaps you've even allowed yourself to use that term for a few living Christians who you really look up to. But do you remember that you are a saint? The word saint was one of the Apostle Paul's favorite terms for all the followers of Jesus. He uses it in almost all his greetings in his letters. To the saints who are in Ephesus, to the church of God that is in Corinth, called to be saints. The word saint, it simply means holy. The Latin form of that word is sanctus, which is part of the liturgy we sing every week. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Because holy, first and foremost, is a word that describes the Lord and who he is. But the Bible also describes those people whom the Lord has claimed as his own, as who he's set apart for himself as holy. The people of Israel, the nation of Israel, for instance, they were called a holy nation. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been set apart 
for God. You have been called to be holy. In the baptisms this morning, you're going to hear the priest say, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. You are a saint. You are set apart for Jesus. Many of you know Pastor Michael Wright, a friend and ministry partner of this church who pastors uh, Christ Tabernacle Church on the west side of Chicago. And I've noticed over the years that Pastor Michael loves to refer to the people of his church as saints. Good morning, saints. Let me remind you of this, saints. So I called Pastor Michael this week and I said, Pastor Michael, what is it that you want your people to know? What are you thinking when you call them saints? And here's what he said. I want my people to know that saint is a title that they are given, that it has nothing to do with being perfect or anything that they've done to achieve it, but it has everything to do with what Jesus Christ has achieved for them. Amen? So if the blood of Jesus has saved you, you are a saint. As the, the apostle Peter says in his first letter, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. We are all saints. There are no second-class Christians. We've all been called into the communion of saints that stretches back through the history of the church and comes forward into today and reaches out to every follower of Jesus in this room. So that's our first reminder. You are a saint. You are set apart for the Lord, called to be holy. For our next reminder, let's look at this passage from Matthew 5 that the church gives us to read every year on All Saints. The Beatitudes are Jesus teaching on how to live a blessed life. I like how one pastor calls these the beautiful attitudes. And the life described here is beautiful. But I also think it would be fair to say that it's also incredibly, it's also an incredibly hard and sacrificial way of living. So here's our second reminder this morning. Saints lay down their lives. Does anyone need that reminder this morning? I didn't, I didn't hear any amens on that one. All right, there we go. As we look at Jesus' call to a blessed life, I'm struck by what an unselfish life it is. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are not proud. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Saints know what it's like to sacrifice something. Money, food, media, alcohol, your own free time to sacrifice those things for something greater your children, a person in need, a deeper connection to the Lord. Jesus calls his followers to a radical level of self-emptying. But also, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Have you ever found yourself on the receiving end of a personal attack. And rather than lashing back, 
you lay aside a defensive or selfish posture, and instead you seek to bring peace. Jesus calls his followers to a radical level of self-giving. So why are saints called to do this? To lay down their lives? Because Jesus calls us to be holy, to be more like him, to live our lives the way he lived his life. Jesus is calling us to the way of the cross. The Bible says that Jesus emptied himself for us, that he gave himself for us. The path of the saint is to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus. As Canon Stephen preached so beautifully just a few weeks ago, the cross is not an obstacle on the road, right, Canon Stephen? The cross is the road. It's the call of every, of every saint. Anyone who would follow Jesus must deny themselves pick up their cross and follow him. So we said, there's no second-class Christians. Well, there are also no sideline Christians. Remember what the writer to the, in, of the letter to the Hebrews said, that since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those saints who've gone before us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set out before us. I love this passage because I was a cross-country runner. Uh, my kids are all cross-country runners. I think it's pretty clear here that what the Bible is saying that is that cross-country is the best and most holy sport. Uh, just think about it for a moment. Unlike other sports in a cross-country race, nobody is meant to stand on the sidelines. Whether you show up with a team of three runners or 100 runners, everybody runs the race. And what's more, everybody runs a full race. They make it to the finish line, spending all their energy, exhausted. Saints are not meant to stand on the sidelines and watch others run the race of the Christian life. So that's our second reminder this morning. Saints lay down their lives. But here's the third reminder. Saints have a heavenly reward. Does anyone need that reminder this morning? I heard one yes. We'll take it. In the course of laying down your life, do you ever lose sight of the fact that you have a reward? Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 5, it's not just a call to sacrifice. It's full of the promises of the reward that is to come. So what is that reward? Well, look in Matthew 5. Look at the bookends Jesus promises in verse 3 and then again in verse 10. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he restates it again there at the bottom in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So many commentators say that the rewards in between those bookends in verse 3 and verse 10 are like descriptors of the kingdom of heaven. So I just have to admit, when I was a kid, I used to think, oh, heaven looks like it's going to be kind of boring like it's one long church service that never ends. 
But I gotta say to any kids in the room, first of all, if you ever think that, it's okay. And I'll tell you that as I grew older and I started to take in Jesus' promises of what heaven is going to be like, it started to fill me with excitement and with longing. Let's just look at a few here in this passage. Verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Does anybody here long to be forever in the presence of the Lord and to see Jesus face to face? How about verse 9? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Who wants to be welcomed home in heaven as part of God's family? Or how about verse 6? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The book of Revelation describes heaven as a great wedding feast. Heaven isn't boring. It's a celebration. And that hunger and thirst we have now will be satisfied at the great heavenly banquet. And I'll bet you the food is going to be really, really good. Or how about verse 4? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. No more sorrow. No more sadness. I thought that the kids in the room might like the way that it's phrased in Luke's gospel. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. No celebration, no good party is complete without a lot, without a lot of laughter, right? Heaven is going to be full of joy and laughter. I think we're going to tell jokes in heaven. I wonder if the father has a, a, sense, a dad sense of humor. <laughs> so just pause for a moment and put that second and third reminder together. A saint lays down their earthly life and they invest everything. They put all their chips down on the table for the reward of the kingdom of heaven, which is far greater than any fleeting reward that the world can offer. Earthly beauty fades. Earthly possessions pass away. But you, O saint, have an eternal and heavenly reward. Amen? But I think there's still one more very important reminder. So here's the fourth and last one. The kingdom of heaven is already breaking through. Does anyone need that reminder this morning? Jesus is already sanctifying his church and making it holy. And through his church, his kingdom is coming here on earth as it is in heaven. It happens each and every week as we gather as God's people to pray and worship. I had one member of our church say to me recently, Sunday worship sometimes feels like a taste of heaven, like heaven and earth are touching. Each week at the table, the celebrant declares that we are joining our voices with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. The kingdom of heaven breaks through when God's people gather to worship and to pray. And the kingdom of heaven is also breaking through the people of the church through his saints here on earth who are being sanctified and who are becoming more and more like Jesus. 
Have you seen it? I see the kingdom of heaven in a man at this church who deals with serious and chronic health issues. But what you won't find if you talk to him is somebody bitter or despondent. Instead, you'll meet a man who seeks out others to encourage them and to pray for them. I see the kingdom of heaven in many of the parents of this church who have been formed in holiness as they continually, day after day, lay down their lives for a child with disabilities. I see the kingdom of heaven in the lives of men and women in this church who aren't married, but instead of accepting the world's invitation to seek a life of self-focus and self-fulfillment, choose instead to lay down their lives for the gospel of Jesus and for his church. The church is full of saints who embody the kingdom of heaven here and now. So learn from them. Imitate them, as Paul would say, as they imitate Christ. And watch the kingdom of heaven continue to break through now in the church. So let me close this morning with just a brief story about a saint from this church who has gone before us and has received his full heavenly reward. A man named John Fawcett. He was the husband of Deacon Margie Fawcett. He was the brother of Mama Catherine Ruck. John was a mentor to many of us. He was a longtime worship leader here at Resurrection, and, and much of what we think of as Resurrection's worship culture came from John. He was an absolutely brilliant man. He taught me so much about the church, about liturgy, and about musical worship. Might I also say that John had a lot of opinions about how to form a music lineup, and he taught me those opinions. So when John was nearing the end of his battle with cancer, and I was invited over to his house to sit down with him and talk about the music that he would like at his funeral service. I was ready for a lengthy discussion. What processional hymn do you want, John? What, what setting do you want of the Sanctus? What about the Ark of the Communion lineup, the kinds of conversations we'd had so many times before? So I sat down, and I said, John, what kind of music do you want at the service? And he looked me in the eye, and he said, I just want a service that brings glory to the name of Jesus. I think that's a picture of a saint who's laid down his life and is ready to receive his heavenly reward. And someday, we too are going to take our place among the great cloud of witnesses and receive our full heavenly reward. And as I await that day, I want the Lord to give me that simple desire for my life to simply bring glory to the name of Jesus. So on this day, saints of God, may the Lord renew your strength to run with endurance the race marked out for you, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. 
As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.